Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland, it's the Detroit Tigers 4, the Cleveland Guardians 3. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field. The thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And what did I tell you? What did I tell you yesterday? I told you the magic number to win a game in this series is four runs. Three games in a row now. That's bizarre, right? I mean, I I don't have the ability to pull up the probability of that happening, but you got to imagine that at some point, one of these teams is going to score more or less than four runs and win the game. Uh, but nope, Detroit, and Detroit does it the exact same way. They do it in the first game of this series. Three runs in the first inning. They do it all in one swing this time. Three runs in the first inning. They tack an insurance run on late on a solo home run. And they run away with a four, you know, four runs holds up for the victory. Unbelievably strange uh, that we're in this situation again. But the Guardians have absolutely no one to blame but themselves. So many rallies. So many chances come up cold, come up with nothing, come maybe get one across, right? We do put one across in the first, the fifth, the seventh. No crooked numbers for the Guardians. We cannot have a beginning. And I just, we leave way, way too many guys on base. Two for 11 with runners in scoring position. The team left nine on base total on the day. We out hit Detroit nine to seven. We, uh, the hard hit balls off our starter, Tanner Bybee, six. The hard hit balls off of their starter, Matt Manning, who did go an extra inning. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven hard hit balls. 95, miles, 95 plus mile per hour exit velocity. The hardest hit ball of the day was Oscar Gonzalez at 107.2 in the first inning. But it's a ground out. Uh, so, yeah. So, I mean, the Guardians, there's so many. I'm not going to go through each one because there's so many times hitters let us down in this game. Uh, one thing the box score will tell me uh, on the MLB app is runners left in scoring position with two outs. Miles Straw left three runners in scoring position with two outs. Jose Ramirez left one and Oscar Gonzalez left two. <sighs> Man. So many times we got Ramirez up to the plate with a chance to be a hero. In the seventh inning, God, in the seventh inning, we really, really needed to have a huge rally there in the seventh inning. I mean, even Straw gets a hit in this inning and can't drive the runner in to score. That's that's the kind of night it was. That's the kind of night it was for the Guardians. Bo Naylor with a one-out double, standing there on second base. Straw singles into center field. Hits it at 96.2 miles. Straw gets a hard hit ball into center field. Uh, And it gets on the center fielder so quick that Bo Naylor takes a big turn around third base. And he gets gets the stop sign thrown up. He throws the brakes on. And it was the right call because it was a good throw home. One hop the catcher probably would have been dead at the plate. So even, even when we have a chance there, Miles Straw still can't, with a runner in scoring position, cannot drive him in and get an RBI. Now, luckily, Quan does follow it up with a single, 
He also singles in the center field to bring Bo Naylor in the score to get that lone run across in the seventh inning. But then Ramirez lines out. After Calhoun walks, Oscar Gonzalez is up with a chance to be a hero. And instead, a weak 64-mile-per-hour exit velocity, minus 23-degree launch angle hit. I actually want to go to this at-bat because this, this pitch was so far outside. Uh, down and away. It was it was such a bad pitch. Uh, the fir- it, all curveballs here from Alex Line, all curveballs. Uh, first one drops it in for a called strike. Second one is in the dirt. I mean, way way in the dirt. Uh, actually, I remember uh, the catcher for Detroit actually makes a really good stop on this one, uh, Rogers, and it's a good lesson for any kids out there that want to play catcher because. He kind of gives up right on being catcher. This ball's so far down and away outside. He kind of gives, he's he's not going to frame it or anything like that. He kind of abandons being catcher and literally turns into a hockey goalie. Does what he has to do to get in front of the ball and uh, make a glove save and a beauty. Uh, And keep this thing, right? Actually snag it. Actually, not just keep it in front of him, but he actually catches it in the glove and snags it. Um... It's a great job there by Rogers. Kind of, you know, he moved his body because uh, that was with the bases loaded. That could have been another run right there if that goes to the backstop. Uh, then comes back with a curveball uh, on the inside part of the plate that Gonzalez on the inside edge that Gonzalez fouled off, and then he swings at a curveball that's just a good foot down and away off the plate. Just, I mean, off his shoe tops, basically. Like, he, what are you doing swinging at this pitch? Just no plate discipline at all from Oscar Gonzalez here. <sighs> so, on a night when we honor Manny Ramirez, I can't help but look at Oscar Gonzalez, another big power-hitting right-handed bat playing right field for Cleveland, a young guy. How can you not think about Oscar Gonzalez uh, and Manny Ramirez uh, on a night like this? It's just not the same. It's not the same at all. You know, one of the things, and... Uh, you know, Marlon, uh, Marlon from Birmingham sent a lot of emails tonight, actually. Uh, I, I will spare you. I'm not going to read everything Marlon sent tonight. Uh, but he did say that uh, the introduction to the Guardians Hall of Fame for both Dale Mitchell and Manny Ramirez was very nice. But I laughed when the fans booed Chris Antonetti and Paul Dolan during their introductions. Manny Ramirez, who briefly sat in with Underwood and Manning during the second inning, mentioned that he loved to work for the Guardians. This was interesting to hear. I would love to see if he could unlock something with the hitters on this team. And yeah, so this this got me thinking of the connection. And then they talk a lot throughout the game, Underwood and Manning, about the situation that Manny Ramirez came into. Veteran hitters on the team, right? Uh, some some real, if you go back to those uh, 94, 95 teams, there were some, re- Eddie Murray is the, the obvious one that comes to mind. I mean, Bell is already kind of a veteran at this point. Uh, Bayerga and Lofton have some experience under their belt, although they're still pretty young. Uh, and it, you know, Tommy and uh, Ramirez and Alomar, these are young guys. Uh, there were some bench guys on that team that had experience. So yeah, Manny Ramirez, if you look at those teams, Manny Ramirez is hitting seventh. And the pressure's off. And, and he's able to pick up things from veteran players. The only one these guys have to look at is Jose Ramirez. I, I mean, sure, yes, Cole Calhoun is a veteran. Sure, Ramon Laureano is a veteran. But they're not a, they're not Eddie Murray. 
They're not future Hall of Famers there that can hit fifth in the lineup and take the pressure off you and allow you to hit seventh, eighth in the lineup. Instead, Oscar Gonzalez is hitting cleanup. The exact advantages that they described that Manny Ramirez had when he came up and joined this team are all the things that are working against Oscar Gonzalez. All the things that are working against Andres Jimenez, Will Brennan, Gabriel Arias, Bo Naylor. It's all working against them. Now, it hurts that Josh Naylor is injured right now. It does affect the lineup. Don't forget, uh, not only do we trade away Ahmed Rosario and Josh Bell, but then Naylor goes down with an injury. So it really sucked a lot of life out of the middle of this lineup. And it's a veteran that's not, you know, he's there, he's rehabbing. He's not, he's probably not on the field with them as much as he would be if he's playing. I know he's still around. I know he's there in the locker room. I know he's there in the dugout. He's still around, but you know, he should be more active with these guys. And instead he's probably got to be doing his physical therapy, his rehab work and stuff like that, which apparently is coming along. Uh, but yeah, instead, all the pressure in the world is on Oscar Gonzalez and here in the seventh inning with the bases loaded. Uh, after Jose Ramirez can't get it done either, uh, he has a he has a really bad at bat. So it's frustrating. It is. And, and I mean, anytime you go back to the 90s Cleveland teams, it's just, it's my, it's my, man, they were so good at developing hitters and they've lost that ability. They've absolutely lost that ability. It's amazing how much the uh, the philosophies, the hitting philosophies have changed. And I know, look, we can't go back to the 90s. Who knows how much steroids played uh, you know, a role in that. Whatever these guys were doing to their bodies, whatever they were taking, we'll never know the extent to which that had an effect. Uh, even on, I mean, a lot of the 90s Guardians, Guardians hitters, a lot of the 90s Indians hitters aren't, really looked at that way. Not they're, they're not the Jose Canseco's and the Mark McGuire's and the Sammy Sosa's of the league, right? But um who knows who knows what what was happening. We can't say, but it was a different game. 90s baseball was a different game. And we're never gonna get back there. League wide, we're never gonna go back there. It's just the guys' bodies are different. Their their swings are different. Uh, right. I mean, look at guys like, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. And, uh, even Otani and, uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. Like physically it's, they're, they're smaller. They're more compact. They're more athletic. They have smooth, powerful swings and very quick bats, but you just don't see the bulk like you used to see in the nineties. Right? The Albert Bell types. The Manny Ramirez types. Ramirez was a big, bulky dude. And I know he had his own problems late in his career with performance-enhancing drugs. So, okay, the game has changed. But there, something was lost. Something was lost with the way they used to train themselves to hit that they just don't do now. And so Marlon's idea of Manny working with this team, yeah, I would love to see... What kind of impact Manny Ramirez or Bell or Bayer? I know Bayer goes around sometimes. Obviously, Sandy Alomar is still here, although home runs weren't exactly his game. Not compared to those other guys. Uh, but yeah, some these guys don't, it seems like they don't train. They have n- nowhere, it's almost the opposite philosophy 
that those guys had in the 90s. And they made a joke during the broadcast that they used to have three practice fields and the guys would go to one and be like, okay, we're only going to hit home runs to left. The next one, okay, we're only going to hit home runs to center. The next, okay, we're only going to hit home runs to right. Today, that would look like, okay, on this one, we're only going to work on hitting ground balls through the infield. On this one, we're going to work on hitting our left center field gaps. You know, like, it feels like such a different approach. And power, power wins the day for the Tigers. They they do all their scoring on two home runs, two swings. We don't, we don't have that swing. We don't have any, Cole Calhoun has a solo home run in the first. Nah. Three run home runs, always going to beat solo home runs, it turns out. So, uh, man, uh, yeah, another big blast somewhere, even a double off the wall in one of these big crucial moments in the game. Would have been huge. It's, it's not there tonight. It is absolutely uh, not there, despite, I mean, Ramirez, is here's a shining example of it. Goes 0 for 5 on the night with four hard-hit balls. So it's not like he wasn't barreling it up. Look at some of the expected batting average. In the ninth inning, his line out at 105.8 miles per hour had a 620 expected batting average. So it's not like Ramirez was putting bad swings on the ball. Uh, he just, man, he just couldn't couldn't buy a hit tonight. Oh, man. And if you lift it, if you lift these over the wall, then you don't have to worry about it. Uh, yeah, God, I want to see some power. I want to see some more power from these Guardians. Especially Oscar Gonzalez. God, I miss Oscar Gonzalez being able to hit home runs. It was fun when Gonzalez was hitting home runs. There are two two interesting at bats in this night. All right, I'm gonna get into some more detail here. I've I've waxed poetically about home runs in '90s Cleveland teams uh, long enough. I I will say one more thing about the Manny Ramirez induction, and, and you know what? I'm glad he's been inducted. And I know he went on and had a long career after playing in Cleveland. Um, there is something always special about the place where you start. Right where you first get called up, there there will always be something special for Manny Ramirez here in Cleveland. Also, because he was such a unique character and such a unique player on those '90s teams, um, so I I am glad to see that he's going into the Cleveland you know Cleveland local Hall of Fame here, our stadium Hall of Fame here. Um, it's interesting that so the bobblehead they gave away tonight, right, had him in his traditional Cleveland Indians uniform with the Chief Wahoo hat and logos and everything like that. And, you know, I've been open about how much I believe fans need to transition to the Guardians. They, we, we change names for a reason. We change logos for a reason. It's time to put that stuff in storage, and it's time to get on board with the Guardians. Go out and get some Guardian swag. I don't know. Uh, sign up for a credit card you're never going to use. Uh, go when they're having sales. Do what you got to do. Tell everybody for the holidays you want Guardian swag. Do what you got to do to replenish the stock, right? But the bobblehead that they're giving away at the stadium tonight it has a logo and has a team name on it that we've all agreed is not the best, is pretty pretty racist. Uh, and, uh, something we didn't want representing our city anymore. And I'm okay. I, I, I support the idea of them giving away the authentic bobblehead of Manny Ramirez in his uniform. They could have, they could have put 
just Cleveland across the chest. They could have just put a block C on the hat, even though it wouldn't have been accurate to the time. Uh, you know, they didn't even start using the script I until the mid-2000s, right? And then the block C later. Um, it's import- It actually is important that he's in the uniform he's supposed to be in. Because you, if you bury the history, then you don't learn from it. It's okay that bad... I mean, it's not necessarily okay that bad things happened in the past. But what would be worse is to forget they happened. You have to acknowledge the history that happened. And you have to explain to kids who are getting that bobblehead and going, Hey, Dad, why isn't this... Hey, Mom, why isn't this the logo on the team's hat right now? You know, why are they called the Guardians when they used to be called the Indians? You have to be able to have that conversation. And if you bury the history, if you bury the past, you can't have that conversation. So I'm glad that they they didn't hide it. They didn't shy away from it. Manny Ramirez played for the Cleveland Indians in the 90s. And now you can have that conversation with your kid and be like, hey, this is why they changed the name. This is why it's important that they change the name. So don't bury the past. Acknowledge it. That's That's my point here. Okay, uh, back to baseball. That was a tangent. Um, back to baseball. So two at-bats that I thought were very, very interesting on the day and kind of showed who had the momentum, where this day was going. The first one was Spencer Torkelson's at-bat in the first inning against Tanner Bybee. Bybee is working him really hard, starts him in an 0-2 count on two swinging strikes, chases a slider off the plate, and then gets a called uh, fastball right at the top of the strike zone. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, uh, Torkelson hammers a fastball yesterday off Gavin Williams. And I'm thinking to myself, is Bybee even going to throw him a fastball? Yes, he will, but he's going to locate it. Uh, that's one mistake Gavin Williams didn't make. So Bybee hits the top of the strike zone here, maybe even a little off the top of the strike zone, and gets the call. I'm like, okay, locating a fastball. That works. That plays when you can command it. But then this thing turns into a marathon. Torkelson, after taking a slider away for a ball, fouls off two pitches, another slider in the dirt, fouls off two more, uh, actually does finally throw him a fastball kind of uh, down the middle of the plate that he fouls off on the fifth pitch, uh, goes high with a fastball on the ninth pitch. He won't chase high out of the strike zone. Good discipline by Torkelson. And then throws him a slider middle away off the plate. He already chased the slider away in the first pitch of the at-bat. Tries to go back to it. Goes a little too far off the plate. Torkelson, uh, check swing. It's really close. The call does not go in favor of the Guardians. Torkelson takes the walk. Next, batter is Kerry Carpenter. Second pitch. Mm, I don't like this. A changeup away and then a changeup away again, but in the strike zone this time, and he hammers it at 107.1. I mean, he unloads on this thing. So the walk right there, ah, man, works out in the Tigers' favor, and then Carpenter makes him pay immediately after, and they jump out to that 3-0 lead. The Guardians would have a long at-bat of their own, and I thought it kind of was a breaking point in this game. It was another one of those frustrating at-bats to end an inning uh, with a runner on. Andres Jimenez with a single in the sixth, a two-out single in the sixth inning. Will Brennan up, 
And my God, him and Matt Manning just absolutely go to battle against each other. And boy, you think Manning had a plan? He just threw him fastballs on the outside edge of the plate over and over and over again. Uh, the first one is not. The first one he misses inside with a fastball. I don't know if it was called inside or got away from him, but he misses inside. The second one he misses off the plate, so he's in a hitter's count here. Uh, 2-0, then a fastball. Uh, kind of kind of middle up, kind of middle up, and he uh, swings through it for a strike. Lays off a fastball down and in the knees, down and away for a called strike. Okay, now a 2-2 count. Now the foul start. Forcing fastball fouled off. Forcing fastball fouled off. Changeup fouled off. Forcing fastball fouled off again. Most of these are away. Most of these are down the left field line. This one, the eighth pitch of the at-bat, looks like it's going to be fair. Looks like it has a chance and just slices over the foul line down there in left field. Would have scored Andres Jimenez. Would have scored him. And, uh, man... Uh, then he takes a slider in the dirt and then fouls off two more forcing fastballs uh, before finally the 12th pitch of that bat, another forcing fastball on that outer edge, and he finally flies out to Akil Badu in left field. So Matt Manning sticks to his plan, keeps hitting his location, keeps hitting this outside edge of the plate, and eventually wins the battle. So two very long at-bats, a 10-pitch at-bat for Torkelson, a 12-pitch at-bat for Will Brennan here. Torkelson wins his battle. Brennan loses his. Just, I thought both of these at-bats kind of showed where the momentum was in this day, right? The momentum was on the Tigers' side for most of this day. Uh, The Guardians had so many chances to move that win probability line back in their favor. There's times, there's literally times without taking the lead, without taking the lead, the Guardians actually twice get the win probability line back in their favor. That's how close they came to winning this game. They were able to move the win probability line back across into their favor without taking the lead. Ah, and they still blew it. Man. Uh, So, yeah. So some disappointing days. I, I did think a couple of guys had good ga- good days offensively. Uh, Jimenez had two hits. One was a really nice line drive single into center field. A great job of just staying on a pitch and driving it eh, just left of center. Uh, Bo Naylor also did. Uh, Bo Naylor had three for four on the day with two doubles. The single was my favorite hit of the day because it was a kind of a fastball up and away that, again, he rides out into left center field. And it was, it might not have been the, the pitch he was looking for, but the ability to recognize it, recognize what he needs to do with this pitch and just stay on it and drive it into left center field is the kind of swings I like. That's the kind of swings that can really make you an all-star hitter. Um Sure, blasting a double off the wall in center field is fun. Uh, Pulling one down the right field line into the corner is fun. Like, those are great swings, but those are your swings. I like the fact that not only was he able to hit his pitches, but he was able to hit one of the pitcher's pitches, too, and still drive it for a hit. Maybe maybe not the, you know, the big home run swing that he wants. It It was a very controlled, easy swing. And that's how you hit the opposite field. Um, so I like that from Bo Naylor. A, a big positive on the day was Bo Naylor 
going three for four. My brother was at the game tonight, and he told me how excited he's like, man, I get to be here for a good Bo Naylor game? This is awesome, even though he texted me that in the middle of the game before they lose. So uh, so that's what was going on offensively. Cal Cole, Cal, Cole Calhoun, God, that's a mouthful every time. I know you're you're probably thinking it's ridiculous that he is hitting third in this lineup. But he has the solo home run in the first inning. He also walks late in the game. He's batting 311 with an 802 OPS. I know it's a small sample size, but as much as I want to dog on Francona for batting Cole Calhoun third, he keeps hitting. He keeps hitting. He keeps doing something at the plate every game that you're like, okay, fine. I understand why you're, I, I kind of understand why you're here. If Josh Naylor was here, would you be here? I'm not sure you would be. But fine, you're, you're hitting. I can't blame you. You're hitting. Um, yeah, so, uh, oh, man. Let's move on to the pitching side of things because Tanner Bybee, we got to talk about him before we wrap this thing up. He only lasts five innings but only gives up five hits. Three earned runs all on that home run in the first inning. One walk, six strikeouts, 91 pitches. He's only hard hit six times. And, uh, yeah, I think just like Gavin Williams the other night, really impressed that he's able to give up a big crooked number in the first inning and then settle down and control the next four innings of the game. And, you know, if his pitch count gets a little high, 91 pitches, I was curious if he was going to come back out for the sixth or not. But they decide not to. Um, They decide 91 pitches is enough. And yeah, I, you got to be impressed with his ability to recompose himself. Uh, who knows if the Torkelson at bat just tired him out, right? And mentally, maybe he was a little tired out from the Torkelson at bat and left one over the plate uh, for the home run. Maybe. Uh, threw the slider the most on the day, and it was an effective pitch for him. Had a 36% whiff rate, had 36% CSW. Uh, pretty good pitch. The average exit velocity off it was 88.1. They did hammer that fastball. Well, okay, they didn't. I, I take that back. It's a weird night for that fastball. Let's put it that way. Uh, he threw it 33 times. He threw the slider 36 times. 17 change-ups, 5 curveballs while I'm at it. Okay, the average exit velocity was 102 off that four-seam fastball. On 15 swings on that four-seam fastball, zero whiffs. He does have four called strikes on it, but okay, those 15 swings, 12 foul balls. They only put three in play. So I can't say it was a terrible night for his fastball. They do square it up three times. All three of them are hard hit balls. Uh, The minimum was 97.3. The max was 105.5. It's just wild that they have a 100% contact rate. They also did not go out of the zone after that four-seam fastball. A 6% O swing, outside the zone swing on that four-seam fastball with a 100% contact rate. They, the one time they go out of the strike zone for that fastball, they do make contact with it. I don't know if it was one of the ones that were fair or foul. But uh, that's just a weird night. That Okay, nobody whiffed, but they also barely could keep it fair. Um, 12 foul balls to three put in play. That's that's a weird night for that fastball. Um, so it's not Bybee's best night, uh, but uh, 
I, yeah, a three-run home run, is, it's quite the hole to put yourself in. And the shame on the offenses. Shame on the offenses for not supporting these rookie pitchers and uh, getting them back in the game, especially when both Williams and Bybee are able to, to kind of hold things down after they give up their three runs. They're able to right the ship. They're able to command the game for the you know for five innings and before turning it over to the bullpen. So shame on these offenses for not supporting these young pitchers. Speaking of a weird night, Matt Manning, I told you we hit him hard, right? I told you about all the hard-hit balls. We only had three. He had three whiffs on 37 swings total, total across all his pitches. All three whiffs were on the forcing fastball. No sliders, no changeups, no curveballs got a single swing and miss. That's a that's a weird night. An 8% whiff rate for Matt Manning. And he ends up with a W. Come on. There's no way you could tell me that Matt Manning is going to be hard hit 11 times, going to have an 8% whiff rate, and he's going to win the game. There's no way you would believe that if someone told you that before the game. Um. So, yeah. So... I'm just as frustrated as you. I Like I said, I tried to find the positives, but I'm just as frustrated with you about how this one went down. Because, my God, there were so many times where I was like, ooh, this is it. Ooh, this is this is going to be it. The, the fifth inning. Lead-off single and double, right? And then, man, Straw grounds out. Quan grounds out. Ramirez grounds out. And Straw and Quan, this is with the runner at third base. Bo Naylor is at third base. Hey, great base running by Gabriel Arias in this one. And and Sarbaugh, the third base coach, is right there with him. Uh, holds him up. Probably made the right decision. The throw comes in from center field after Naylor doubles off the wall. The relay throw comes in. But um, uh, who's the shortstop? Baez uh, has a hard time. Fe- uh, misplays it. Doesn't field it. It bounces off his glove. And then Arias breaks from home. He reads the ball. And when you want to talk about put your head down and run, he I mean, he literally dips his head. He literally puts his head down and runs. Doesn't question it. Doesn't hesitate. Sees the ball gets away from Baez, and he's gone. And he beats it by a step. So great job there. Uh, you can see Sarbaugh telling him, pick up the ball. He's pointing it. Pick up the ball and go. Uh, so Arias does. And Naylor ends up on third. And then Straw with a weak ground ball. Uh, Quan with a weak ground ball and uh, Jose Ramirez with a hard ground ball, but can't get it through. Grounds out to end the inning. So frustration there in the fifth inning on what should have been a fun inning. Frustration in the sixth with the long at bat from Will Brennan. Frustration in the seventh, the, the one out double from Bo Naylor. They load the bases and they only have one run to show for it. Uh, the eighth inning, you have a leadoff single and a walk. Two first two guys are on. Gabriel Arias with a ground out. Bo Naylor pops out. Ah, Bo, the one bad at bat he has. And then Miles Straw. No, of course they're not going to pinch hit for him. Are you? Come on. This is Terry Francona we're talking about. We need a hit. Miles Straw is that guy. He needs up at the plate late in the game in a high leverage situation. Have we discussed Miles Straw in high-leverage situations? It usually doesn't end well for the Guardians. And he strikes out with those two runners on to end the inning. Um, Gabriel Arias, while we're talking about him, makes a good base running play. Also made some fantastic defensive plays. The uh, the, the self-turn double play 
I don't know at what point in the game it was, but he gets he's he's shading second base as far as he can shade it, catches a ground ball behind second, runs steps on the bag, and then throws a missile to first base to get the base runner. There's another one where a ball is smashed at him that puts it on puts him basically on his rear end, and he's able to pop up and throw another missile of a throw. Um, across to first. I know I said that I thought Rokio looked really smooth playing shortstop. I can't deny, Arias is fantastic shortstop. Both of them absolutely are wizards defensively. I'm very, very talented defensively. And, uh, yeah, I man, it's going to be a heck of a competition to see who the next shortstop is going to be. It really really is. Both these guys can field, and Arias has a cannon of an arm. I don't think Rokio has a bad arm by any means, but Arias has a cannon of an arm. That's why right field actually, I mean, was kind of okay for him, because he could throw from back there. Uh, So shouting out some good defense there from Gabriel Arias. All right, you know what? That is all my thoughts on this one. Uh, I'm, I'm just as frustrated as you are. Um, Marlon, uh, sums up basically all the things we talked about. Um, he did ask, why did Bybee get credit for the loss when Sandlin gave up the homer that gave the Tigers their fourth run? Uh, Marlon looking at, you know, looking at the box score, trying to read into it and figure out what the decision was there. My guess is because the guardians never tied the game once Bybee gave up the lead. So once we were down 3 nothing, the Guardians never actually came back and tied up the game. We do score a third run eventually, but it's once the um, Tigers extend their lead. So it's 3-2, to two, the Tigers extend it 4-2, to two, then we add one more in the bottom of the 7 to make it 4-3. to three. So therefore, Bybee's still the pitcher of record because we never actually come back and tie the game. So if you were like Marlin and you were wondering... Why Bybee instead of Sandlin gets the loss? That is why. All right. That's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Uh, you can follow me on the final. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. MVP of the day. MVP on the day. We got to give it to Bo Naylor, right? I mean, come on. He was trying out there. Uh, two doubles, three hits on the day, a run scored himself. Uh, he doesn't get an RBI for driving in Gabriel Arias, but he does drive in Gabriel Arias. You know, he scores on the error, the, the on the relay throw. So no RBI given, but he does drive him in. So Bo Naylor, absolutely MVP on the day. And, you know, helping Bybee uh, get, through, uh, get through that start there too. So calling a decent game as well. So uh, there's your MVP on the day. All right, the final again, it's the Tigers 4, the Guardians 3. I mean, what are the odds that the per- the winning team tomorrow is going to have four runs? Like, it has to happen, right? We have to complete this this thing. This, it has to happen that way. Don't don't give me don't give me a twelve to eight win. I don't. No one wants to see that. We want to see a team score four runs and win the game. Stay consistent, Cleveland and Detroit. All right, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game. Let me know what you're feeling, and we'll discuss it on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Spotify. If you go to the link in the show notes, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Baseball Morning.